82 games in the regular season, but there are some marquee games, JB. And tonight Mm -hmm. is one of them. Our next guest is the main reason why the Carolina Hurricanes are heavily favorites to win the Eastern Conference. He is Mike Fuda, senior consultant to the general manager and a hockey analyst on Sportsnet. Did I read that exactly how you wrote it out, Mike? Particularly the first part, yes, <laughs> without, without question. How I usually you? just not, I try to I try to slide these notes down to Justin then when I'm on with him, but he clearly does not the veteran savvy you have to come out with a complete and blatant lie. <laughs> I'm learning as I go, Futes. I'm doing my best. Hey, what's it like working with Justin on TV? Is he as, uh, as quick there as he is here on our show? Well, you've, you've thickened his skin. He's wonderful to work with. He kind of, <laughs> I feel like here, I'm, I'm sitting at home getting ready for the game, putting on my shirt and tie, thinking how it must be to pick out your favorite hoodie and jumpsuit because he's gone ever since your photo shoot he's gone total new kids on the block with his outwork so he's learning I like a, I, I feel like a senior veteran with my shirt and tie but my dad would shoot me if I ever made the jump <laughs> listen I can tell you this Futes there's a lot of people out there not happy about me not having a tie on but I, I will say sitting in this uh, room with Kipper today one of us has a tie on and it ain't Kipper so I'm 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 doing the right thing some days I'm telling you well, Kipper's earned his stripes. He can dress any way he likes. Truth. So is it true he has to love the, the, the storm surge when you guys are on together? <laughs> no. I mean, I honestly, it's a different, I had a different take on it when I saw it before. Uh, like, I first of all thought that, you know, Justin Williams is going to put an end to this. And I found out that Justin Williams had a lot to do with it starting in the first place. It was just something that they felt they needed to do to get the, the fans more involved in it and they, they just jumped and fed off it. Uh, it's a market that they, I mean, from the owner down, they're not really concerned about what other people think of them. They just try and please their own fans and they, they don't want to disrespect the game. But I mean, I certainly think they've run out of ideas. I mean, but <laughs> there's so many, so many things you can do, clapping your hands, but the more they're doing, it means the more they're winning. So it's also, and it says when you're talking about it at the pregame meal, it means you're expecting to win because that's what you're going to have to do when you go out and succeed. So different take on it, but it is what it is. And they certainly enjoy it down there. We were just mentioning that uh, marquee game. No question about that. When we look at the, where these teams are and uh, the expectations on both sides, but Mike, it is coming off a four day break. And I think uh, the the bloodstream continues to flush out for many of them. It's, it, yeah. it, it is all, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> that was well said. Thank you. Yeah. It, it It is a hard game to kind of read, to predict what exactly we'll get in the first 20, 25 minutes or, or even perhaps the, the, the whole game. Yeah, there's probably, there's going to be some rust, but they are two incredibly skilled teams. Like I, I just, I mean, I love watching our team play as much as I, and I joke about it, how little I do with this product that's there right now or had to do with they play such an exciting brand. There's an incredible amount of skill. And I truly, um, I mean, I had a great experience with Daryl Sutter in uh, Los Angeles as a head coach, but I, I just, I've never seen a team that literally lives and breathes everything and wants to uh, replicate the work ethic of their head coach. And Roddy Brindamore just steers the bus. I mean, you obviously know it, it's Rob the Bod, whatever his great uh, fitness level, but his speech, his speaking ability, his motivation, how much he truly cares for the players, as good as the team is and how successful they've been. There's been very few nights where they're outworked. So it should be interesting. I mean, obviously, some guys have been off. I mean, you still got cold. Unfortunately, you're going to have an empty building, so you're going to have Freddie Anderson waving at the tarp and taking his <laughs> two cents and when they give him his parade or whatever. But it's it should be a good game. These teams have a lot of pride, I think, um, Kiefer was a little bit, I mean, in his, his post-game comments when they played us in Carolina, you know, he talked about the level of the bar that we had set in that game. So I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to want to come out strong and, and get back on a, a run to start the second half as well. So the, the Leafs here are uh, third in the NHL in terms of winning percentage, you know, 726, Carolina's first. And Kyle Dubas just had a press conference where he was asked about what they need to 
or what they want to do before the trade deadline, what they identify as any weaknesses. And he still sounded like they wanted to be active. You know, good teams still want to get better. Are there are there parts of Carolina's game where you guys are identifying there's something lacking or that you want to do or that needs more time to look at? Is there a particular part that's uh, under scrutiny from, from management right now? Uh, scrutiny scrutiny be a strong word, but, oh, I think anytime you look at a window, mm-hmm. um, and are, as much as – and I think this is the, how the Don Waddell and the group has got this team in this fight. I mean, their best winning percentage in the National Hockey League right now, they've got best winning percentage in the American Hockey League right now, and they were sending 10 players to the World Juniors. So there are a lot of pieces in place here. Um, I think when you look at a window on a team like ours – you have to look at some of the incredible contracts, and some of them were done in Ronnie Francis because we've got like a two- or three-year window left with Slavin and Pesci and Ajo on really, really good numbers. Right. Uh, you uh, Shvechnikov get paid. So if there's any way to make this team better, to uh, and, yeah, and Freddie's, I think, got one more year left after this as well. So there's a window there where you've got everybody at a really good-feeling contract where if there's a chance where you can add a piece, maybe a, another piece on the blue line, um, I, th- I I'm amazed at how um, that group sla- uh, pay, uh, Slavin Pesci they're so underrated as as far as what they bring to the table defensively. And you know what, DeAngelo's I mean, he had the riot act read to him by Roddy and Tom Dundon, and he's he's towed the line and he's been an exceptional guy and really helped the power play back there too. So there's just along going good. I think he probably anytime he can add another defensive defensemen to add depth for the playoffs because knock on wood there usually is an injury um i think there's good depth up front but if in any way we could add a little bit of muck and uh we've got a lot of skill and we play hard as a team we're certainly not what i would categorize as a soft team but if you could add another piece that you know you, the last few years you copycat you know what tampa bay they added some big bodies if you can add some big bodies but the one thing with this group that i know for a fact they'll be very careful about is they are such a close-knit group. They do not want to take the wrong voice out of the locker room or the wrong player. It's such a part of this family that it could set it back because of what they mean to each other. They really, truly care about each other. We're talking to Mike Fuda, senior consultant to, to general manager, uh, Donnie Waddell. Hey, you know, Leaf fans are listening. You're going, you going, you want to add another D. It's like, you know, go jump you know where because we need two or three ourselves here. <laughs> Uh, there is there is defense envy already with, uh, you know, four of your guys, including uh, Jacob Slavin. And I'm just wondering, where where is his upside? Uh, does he get the acknowledgement that he deserves as one of the better defensemen? With, with a Stanley Cup or a Stanley Cup final, could he, could he fall into that kind of headman type? Not style of play, but, but get the respect of, of that type of player. Well, he's without question within the realms of their their locker room, the most respected player on the team. Uh, he's almost, if you could combine the Norris Trophy and the Selkie Trophy, um, he'd be up for every year. Um, he he offensively is on the second unit and does well, but he it's not a natural fit for him. He's just so intelligent that, uh, I mean, if you could probably add another guy that has a little bit more upside in that capacity and give him a little more airtime. But, I mean, last year... Chipper, I mean, he played 25 minutes a game or 26 minutes a game against everybody's top line and had one minor penalty. And that means you, you, that you talk about having a stick and, and being in the right position, and this is not a soft player at all. So that just tells you how smart he is positionally and how he doesn't cheat the game. Uh, and, again, very fortunate. I remember when I was in Los Angeles, Tony Gasparini, our U.S. scout, just raving about him. And that's one of those hidden guys. Like it's almost like, you know, we talked about what they're seeing now with Barkov and Huberto in Florida. Now that the team is up there, everybody's like, "Wow, look at those guys." Where with us, people are starting to see a better team, and they're starting to take notice of some players that have just kind of been hiding in plain sight down there. Uh, another one, Vincent Trocheck, has been exceptional on the second line. So there's a lot of a lot of good players. I think it's it's been a perfect storm for Kadkiniemi coming in, you know, to take the heat off him because. You know, he's not really a $6 million player, but the way our team has played around him, he's he's been able to get his legs, and now he's actually been really productive. So it's a good group, just got to stay healthy. You know, last season, uh, Carolina got some good goaltending from Nedeljkovic, and Mrazic had a run there, and they you know had a complete turnover with the additions of Anderson. 
and Ranta, I believe. The um, you know, how has Anderson's fit been there in Carolina? Obviously, he's played exceptionally well. I, I assume everyone is very happy with the decisions to move on from the two uh, fairly you know, respected names that they moved on from. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, not everybody can play in Toronto. Um, and no doubt, when Freddie was here early, he was outstanding. And I'm not putting a knock, but after a while, you know, when things started to get a little bit you know, the playoff success wasn't there. There were a lot of other people in just Freddie Anderson, but the goaltender, that's, it takes the heat. And, uh, and again, now, now Jack's going to have to go through it. And I mean, I love Jack Campbell to death. And I, I think his personality is one that I, I kind of like to see that he, he had his little funk there and hopefully he's got it. I mean, I'm not sure whether they're throwing, do you, you know who's in that for them tonight? Mrazic. Have they announced it? Yeah. yeah I figured he'd be his old, his old team and stuff like that, but Jack's going to, I mean, this, this playoff year, again, is like only the least can. This isn't about making the playoffs or winning a round. I, it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine a team that hasn't won that round that has so much pressure on them to, you know, go deep and, 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 and satisfy their market and because of the, the past. And, I mean, Freddie doesn't have to deal with 50 cameras in Carolina after a game. Uh, his personality, he's had nothing but a big smile on his face since he's there. He's, knock on wood, maintained his health. But he also understands, too, that they brought him in, to, even though it's a different market, he was brought into a team that's expected to have playoff success. And eventually, that's what he's going to be judged on as a hurricane as well. You know, I look at that Eastern Conference on a, on a whole, Mike, and it's it's a double-edged sword for me. On one hand, you wish there were more teams involved in a in a playoff race. But on the other hand, you've got eight teams that all expect to go to at least a conference final. I mean, someone's going home really disappointed in that first round, if oh, not if, if not possibly losing their jobs. Well, and I guess that's the way. I mean, I think well, Bill Zito, I think, is pretty safe in the fact that he's just kind of this is just dipping his toes in. But, I mean, I watched them twice live last week. And I was like, wow, like. It's a team I wanted to see live because they look so good on TV and, and they just keep coming at you in waves. I mean, I, they give up a little bit on the other end, but they are they're for real. I mean, everybody knows what Tampa's proven time, time again. You know, Boston's looking hot again. The Leafs are looking strong. You're, it's like you're saying it for somebody. That first line of handshake is going to be painful for somebody. So, and we're right in that grouping as well. We're in that grouping as well. It, it, as much as we feel great about things and in this long series, you know, there's, you know, there's so many different ways that we can hang in with teams with the, with the youth and the speed and the skill, but you got to do it. You've got to do it. And it, you, you, we've always talked about it. And Kipper, you've won one too. There's posts along the way. There's injuries along the way that nobody's even thought of yet. So um, last year at this time, we were raving about, and I, I particular was waving as well about, you know, Nick Foligno being added to the mix. And two weeks later, three weeks later, he wasn't able to play because of an injury. So there's so many factors that go into it, but you've got to have depth and you've got to be ready to roll. Fuchs, you mentioned uh, Slavin is a guy that maybe doesn't get his due outside of Carolina. Is there anyone on the front end that, you know, because it's Carolina is maybe unsung or at least undertold around the NHL um, in terms of just the, what they actually provide versus how it's publicly perceived? Well, Trocek, I mean, if that's under it, he's, yeah. I mean, he's having a great having a great year. I mean, he plays in all the He's on the first unit power play. He kills penalties. He's almost like a... I know he, when you start getting compared to Brad Marchand, and I know that was probably a little bit of a stretch because of the <laughs> overall production of Marchand, but I'll tell you right, this guy's got some Darcy Tucker and some, like, without the fighting, he plays like, it's like a new age outlaw out there. He gets under people's skin uh, with knowing the fact that it's probably going to end up in a, a you know, a face-washing session and he's not going to have to fight anybody, but he doesn't back down from anybody. Um, Jesper Fast, is, is, he's quietly quietly does his business and scores big goals. I think Shvechnikov is just a treat to watch on a nightly basis. And the grandfather of them all, it's Jordan Stahl won the fitness testing this year. And he clearly runs this, runs the room and like, he'll come in and just tell Roddy when they need time and, or when they need a little space or when they're not getting And And he completely is the leader of that team. I think he learned a ton from Justin Williams on it's like what it's like to run a locker room. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Justin Williams is still around there. So, you know, when you start, you got Rod Brindamore and uh, these kind of ghosts of leaders past still around there, it's helping this young group really lead the way in, in every capacity with regards to their fitness conditioning. That just blew me away. Like, we had some unbelievable stars, and obviously they're going to be Hall of Famers in, in Los Angeles. We always used to joke, like, what if Drew Doughty was in your top five or six in the fitness testing? How good? How good would that career look? And <laughs> and we never quite got never there. found out. Eh? I always used to say I told it'll be in my video for Drew's a thousandth game, but it's like it's like when you he's in first place if you turn the list upside down. <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's still a world class player. But on this team, all the superstars are the young stars are like one to seven in order in the fitness testing, and and that tells you one thing i mean good for them but it also tells you they really bought into the coach because he is unbelievably fitness conscious and the intensity level rubs off on the players mike you had mentioned uh perhaps carolina adding some some depth on the blue line we know how leaf fans feel about maybe adding one or two themselves on on the blue line overall now that we're through all-star weekend and uh under what uh six weeks uh, for the, the trade deadline. Is there a chance that it might not be as active as some in the media might suggest because of you know because it, everybody's it, got this this salary cap well, albatross that's, that's around their neck? It's like everybody would – it's like we can all sit here and say this is what we want and this is that's going to be a great fit, but there's got to be some teams involved you know, vis-a-vis whether it's the Arizonas or the, you know, the teams that have a great amount of cap space that are going to have to bail some teams out here in order for them to be able to add these players. It's just not as significant. Now, in our case, I'd be surprised if we went big in on a rental, a high-priced rental, but it's it's pretty unique that there are a lot of names out there right now that have term that are good players. So there's, there is the chance that there could be a hockey player trade that's not just your basic deadline first in the top prospect kind of thing. And then you're going to have certain teams that, you know, that Seattle's got some players to move and I'm sure they're going to set the the market rate to the wind for a player like Giordano and stuff. And somebody has got to step up and decide whether they want paid out for a rental player and that's, it should be exciting, but it's not by any stretch an easy market to get a deal done. No, it certainly isn't. So you're with Carolina. Justin's got this leaf show. There has to be a bit of a side bet. There's got to be some money on the line, something on the well, board well, I'll tell between you the two of you. First of all, there is always some money on the line on the set of Sportsnet between <laughs> these guys. My God, it's like they just sit. I feel like I literally feel like I'm on the I'm on the floor in Vegas. I I, I, I have my certain vices, but it, betting is not one of them. But Borny, if you want to go out here and put a dinner on the line here with your little. I, I love it. Islanders. I love so it. Well, cool. you know, it, it is, but you know, it's just an excuse to to go out to dinner with you a few. It's all, I'll, I'll throw, that, I'll throw a dinner on the line. Dinner in a hoodie or dinner in a tie. All right. <laughs> all right. Who's the go. biggest better? Well, yeah. Oh my God. Between, well, gosh, I think they're all, I mean, Amber, Amber Borny, uh, who is that last year? All the couple. Freege? Carolyn. Oh, Freege. Carolyn CC. I swear to God. <laughs> I feel bad. Like I've I've got like a scratch bingo card from like grade twelve, and these guys have all the odds. Well, you know, you can bet in during the game, and you can. You know, See, uh, Carolyn change. Cameron though, she's got fifteen bets, and they're all worth a dollar fifty. She's she's oh, no, not she's betting not, thirty she's bucks. Not, no, she's never put on the line, but she's. A, I know they know the game much better. So, yeah, yeah. who's favorite tonight? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I have the Leafs. under. I have a low scoring. At least are favorite apparently. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Futes. All right, Futes. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Great talking to you. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Yeah, and you can hardly tell which broadcaster's cheering for what team (laughs) when you watch. (laughs) Well, it'll it'll all be far more transparent once they slap a logo on it from whatever the gambling situation is. I'm no uh, gambling expert. No. But a little value with the Canes tonight. Coming in here. They're plus money. Yeah. As the best team in the NHL. Let me see. Against the backup goalie. Yeah. I don't know. I If I was a betting man, 
I would be having a look at the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. My bet, w- my bet was that the Carolina Hurricanes are the best defense in the NHL. They're in first place in goals against. Best penalty kill in the NHL. Best in terms of shots allowed. You know who's really good? The Leafs. They don't give up much either. So two defensive teams. Everyone's coming off a break where they're sluggish and slow. I, I'm betting the under. So Under okay. on six and a half goals tonight. Like that. Minus so 120. Carolina's plus 115. Uh, so if you want to win 115 bucks, you bet 100 bucks. So there you go. Anderson's numbers are off the charts too. Oh my God, he's tearing it up. Yeah, the like, playoffs haven't started yet, though, boys. So. Oh boy, see. There, there's the angle we needed. <laughs> there's the leafdom we needed. There it is. That, Sam has such value to this show. Oh no, because he sure. he says the things that people listening say. For sure. Have you? So I put this in the lineup here, but uh, since October 25th, when Carolina beat uh, Toronto 4-1. In the game where Sheldon Keefe was saying that, you know, like, we're not even in the same league, basically. The Me- Futes actually mentioned that in his interview there. The Leafs are 27-6-2, and two, and the Canes are 26-9-2. and two. So both of these t- teams have been smoking Just hot. on fuego since that matchup. I, I, you know, not to be this guy again, but it's garbage that there's not even 50% fans there tonight. It no is fans. It's garbage. No, like, none? Like, what, 500? And I, listen, I understand. Like, I'm not talking political. I'm not talking. It just sucks. Yeah. That like, Freddie coming back, going to have a tribute video for nobody. Two of the best teams in the NHL. Gary's I, leaning on the government. I wonder oh, if things get accelerated. Gary Bear is going. Was it Feb 21st is supposed to be when there's supposed to be more fans? Yeah. Like, yeah. let's go. So he says, he says three, I think in Dubis's thing that we're going to get into later, he was asked about it. I think they have three more games. No fans, and then after that, it's fifty percent, and then after March fourteenth, it's full barn. How about Ottawa has eleven, a quarter of their schedules with no fans until Ouch. things open up. I'm sure. Oh, you know who's thrilled about that is Eugene. Oh, That's like care. a quarter of a billion dollars off Oof. the uh, off the revenue for <sighs> Ottawa, just the league in general. Yeah. Oh, it's awful, and you know, you look at the the trend line of numbers, and I understand that doesn't mean we can open things up entirely, but. Woof, you can boy, do 50, I, I think. Yeah, I think you'd be okay with 50 and too. Throw like, masks listen, on. Every time 50. I've gone to a game where there's been, you know, the 50% thing, like people are super responsible. People are, you know, if you put the onus on the public, I think they can be somewhat responsible if it was 50%. 100% it's a different story. 50% I, I, I think I'm, it's I'm like, so you yeah, let's just go. Let's go. I know. Let's not do it. Don't so no matter, trouble. no matter what <laughs> Frederick Anderson does the rest of the year with his numbers, beats the Leafs tonight, pitches a shutout, doesn't you're going to just jam it in his face. Doesn't Let's matter. see it in the playoffs. Listen, I wonder what, what other fans would do that. I, I, had a, <laughs> I had a very spirited discussion with multiple members of my hockey team last night. but uh, Reliable Jake, sources. Yeah. Jake Gardner, Jake Gardner gets killed for what happened in game seven uh, when he was dash five or whatever, and they lost seven five to the Bruins. I think that was 2018. Oh, please don't be about to pardon that performance. Yeah, I mean, if... Freddie didn't let in five beer leaguers. Probably would have been dash five. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeesh. That's how, hey, I'm not the only, I heard you guys sewering me on the morning show today, making fun of me. Bunkus, Mr. Goalie Defender, always loved Freddie, but <laughs> stop the puck in the biggest games. It's what, his game seven stuff, it's, it speaks for itself. I will say you're allowed to make that point, right? It's a valid point. Those are big games. The goals weren't great. No argument on that. Anderson versus Mrazek. We'll get into that with Jim Ralph after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. No question our next guest would have been glued to the television skills competition type of guy. Do you yeah. think, Ralphie? Yeah, big Zegris guy, I think. Huge. Let's bring him on. Jim Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf, radio color analyst. How was your weekend? I like that analyst. I like being called things I can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, were you uh, uh, glued to your television uh, on the weekend? Uh, I hate to say but I watched. You did. I, I don't know, it's kind of, Good. It's kind of like when it's kind of like when you get past all the ambulances and, and police cars and emergency vehicles on the side of the road. You don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't help but 
sort of slowing down and taking that look. But yeah, I watched. I mean, it's uh, some things worked for you, some things didn't. Um, I I don't know. I mean, that uh, you always feel like if if you're not one hundred percent in on on you know how they do it, whatever. Everybody says, oh, you're, you're the old guy, you're old school, you don't understand. You're and, a dinosaur. And I guess, yeah, dinosaur. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I am. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I watched it, but I mean, it's the, uh, I was the type of, you know, when the, the video games came out with, with hockey and that, here, here's the difference between the areas. My, my son used to play NHL hits. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that game where you had you knock guys 500 rows into the seats. You know, it was sort of cartoonish, but, you know, we loved Chris Pronger because of that, because Chris Pronger would knock a guy 400 feet in a hit. Where for me, it was all trying to get. The, uh, you know, the lineups correct and uh, the ratings correct. And so that, the, you know, the games would be very similar to what, what they are in the NHL. And the all-star game to me is like NHL hits, you know, it's gimmicky. Uh, I guess it's for the fans. Uh, I don't take offense to it or, or think they should change it based on my opinion, but um, I am old enough to remember when all-star games were three, two or five, four playing five on five. And, and it was great pace and, and great skill involved. And, I got to tell you, I, I said, Jim, I love that comparison. The NHL hits versus the actual, you know, taking time to put a game together. That's a, that's a very valid one. So yeah, ma- maybe. And, show, and, and Barney, that shows my maturity as well. Yeah, well, that's right. That's sophisticated <laughs> gentleman of distinguished taste that you are. Um, <laughs> so then let's, let's avoid the all-star game stuff and, and look at the second half for the Toronto Maple Leafs and what's ahead. Uh, Peter Mrazek going to go tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, what's got your attention going into the second half? What will you be paying closest attention to with this team as they move towards the trade deadline? Uh, I think the goaltending is going to be obviously something uh, uh, that's going to be an ongoing story. With Mraz's start tonight, by the way, is his first start against the playoff team all year. Uh, You know, ironically, it's against the last team he played for. But uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he responds. It's, you know, because of the breaks in the season, uh, it seems like the break around Christmas was detrimental to Jack Campbell, uh, beneficial to Mitch Marner. You know, when he was able to come back, uh, Cash's latest injury, he hasn't come back as, as strong as he was before uh, the injury and, and COVID before that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who picks up where they left off, who gets better and, and who struggles because of this latest, uh, latest layoff. I know for Mitch Marner, I think the last thing he would have wanted was uh, – you know, another week off, but uh, we'll see if he can keep it going tonight. Do you find uh, this a real pivotal kind of moment in their season? Because this is the exact same team that they played earlier in the year where Sheldon Keefe came out right after with his post-game co- uh, comments and said, that's the type of be- uh, team that we have to beat, and that's a good measuring stick, and we're not quite there. Do they have to prove that they've, they've uh, narrowed the gap tonight? Yeah, I, I think in some, well, in a lot of ways, Skip, I think they do. And, and the same thing, they haven't played Florida yet. Uh, those are going to be pivotal games, not just as a measuring stick, but uh, to see if you can move up in the standings. Uh, they've got another game left in Tampa. And it's uh, this is where the schedule gets tougher, where you're going to start playing all of those teams that are in the playoffs right now. And, uh, you, know, you know, even the, the back-to-backs against New Jersey before the break, uh, they've been pretty good at, at handling the teams they're supposed to handle, but now it's okay. Um, how are you going to fare against the, you know, some of the top teams in the league? So I, I think it is a, a measuring stick. Now the irony was, and I, I remember that quote Kipper after the Carolina loss, and I remember thinking, wow, it sort of sounds like you don't think you are one of the top teams right. in the league, that, that Carolina is a team you're trying to look up to and, uh, are trying to match, you're trying to emulate in some form. And yet, uh, Keith was thrilled with the way they played in that game, despite the, the empty net 4-1 loss. But it was the turning point. They you know, had some trouble. And I talked to you guys right before the Chicago game the next night. And, uh, you know, that was uh, sort of the turning point for them was after the Carolina game. But we'll see. It'll uh, be interesting to see the, the fan reaction for Freddie Anderson's return, too. Well, I think it's a good thing we're going to get to see some of these better teams because I guess my question here is how much do you think we can take away from games where they're playing 
lesser teams. I'm, I'm talking specifically like those New Jersey games where, you know, they, they got a lot of pucks in the slot and the high slot and a lot of good looks. And, you know, I'm not sure, like they kind of are what we thought they were, right? But personally, I don't know that there's a whole lot to learn about the team when they aren't playing the better teams at this point. Yeah, and, and, you know, I guess the way you look at it is that they are beating the teams they're supposed to, sure. you know, aside from aside from Arizona, which is kind of the, the only blip over the last two or three months as far as teams that they should have beat. So, uh, you know, they, they've sort of flirted with danger against Detroit before that as well. And, um, you know, you you just kind of like the, you know, that stretch they had after the Carolina game where they went, what, 15-2 and two over the next 17. And they seemed in control of every game, both ends of the ice. Uh, even though the record's been pretty good since then, uh, you know, the, they've either been chasing games or blowing leads. It hasn't been as, as nice and tidy as they should like. And I think that's that's what they've got to get back to. And uh, I'm looking forward to the night anyway. You know, seeing Carolina and, you know, uh, their speed. And see if it's like a game we had here a couple of years ago when, I think the Leafs were down 5-2 or 5-3 in the third period and won 8-6 or 8-7, something like that. Uh, it would be fun to see another game like that. You did mention the fan reaction to Anderson tonight, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that went, went, that went right, right over Justin's head. Right <laughs> over his head. <laughs> I like, forgot about that. McKee even mentioned earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of those. It's like a speaking engagement. <laughs> nobody, gets, nobody gets it. Just keep plowing through. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll repeat it. Yeah. And I'll say, wake up, everybody. It's coming back at again. <laughs> Just one thought on Anderson. And I think it, my, my recollection is it kind of got ugly at the end for him here. And I think it kind of played out a little bit, Justin, didn't it? In the documentary, yeah. All or Nothing, where... Are you ready? No. Like, what's going on? Are you quitting on me? We quitting on you? What is going on here? But, and and I, I go back to our producer, Sammy, who doesn't give a crap what his numbers are like. He thinks he's going to choke in the first round of the playoffs. And there's a lot of people that believe that. But as, as someone that played the position and understand it at a, at a pro level, are we going to see a different Frederick Anderson because of that blue line being deeper than anything he had with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember Ken Dryden's book, the game, uh, he, he had a, a great line in that. And, and I think it's a little bit different now because of the way the positions changed and everything, but he talked about good. Uh, there were good, good team goalies and good, bad team goalies. And Denny Huron was was one of the ones he brought up, who was great in Pittsburgh. Always had 50 shots a night, always gave up three or four goals, but but was a great bad team goalie. Then he went to Montreal, and he'd only get 20 shots a night, but was still sort of giving up three or four goals. You know, so he was actually better on a bad team, where, where Ken Dryden, I think, proved that he could carry a team early in his career, and then later on, uh, adapted where if you needed two good saves and 20 shots or timely saves, he made them. So I think when you look at Carolina now, Freddie's shown that he's a, he's a really good good team goalie. Where I think they're they're giving up the fewest shots in the league on average, and if they need three or four big saves, the, that's what he can give them. But I don't think he's being asked to, to steal games like he did at times in his five years here in Toronto. How much do you uh, think leadership has to do with Carolina's success? We we just talked with Mike Feuda, and he talked about Rod Brindamore and the way he handles his team, and Jared Stahl, and um, sorry, not Jared Stahl, Trevor Stahl it is there, Jordan Stahl, and um, and even Justin Williams being around there. Is it safe to give some of their uh, credit uh, to that, or is that something that just sort of is a nebulous concept that we can't even guess if it's helping or not? Oh, I'm, I think Rod Brindamore is is outstanding. They, uh, yeah. they used to say, you know, we get to vote on coach of the year. And, and I think he's been on the last two or three years on my ballot. I don't know. Are we sworn to secrecy on that? No, nah, you're good. Uh, anyway, anyway uh, Mike Sullivan's a regular on there as well with Pittsburgh. So I just think that there's, um, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of people are, are not Carolina fans within the game because of some of the things that have happened in the organization, you know, through their ownership, where they get rid of their broadcasters, which were uh, good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll cheap out on some things. And, you know, the Cockney Emmy thing became a bit of a, uh, a laugher as well. 
But uh, Rod Brindamore seems to be, to me, the the key piece of that whole organization. You know, to go from playing to now coaching, that there's there is a you know an atmosphere there that uh, he's created, and it's it's like in Tampa now, where it seems like you lose somebody, somebody else comes in, it's pug and play, and they they keep going. So, uh, no, I I think it's it's you know ninety percent you know the culture that that Brindamore has created, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people say he did the same thing when he played, but now he's got an even bigger voice in the dressing room. If we're going to be picky a little bit on the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least going into the All-Star break, uh, it's Tavares and Nylander a little quiet. There is some talk about whether or not Kerfoot's uh, a guy that's got still uh, longevity on that line, or you move uh, Mikheyev back up, but uh, would you be overly concerned right now if... Uh, if they don't get out to, to a good start tonight? No, not really. I, I mean, I think, I mean, they, it's such a luxury to have two two lines that can score. And the reason it really hasn't been a story, like it's taken a lot of us five or six days to sit and go back and say, oh, yeah. Like, I think they've scored, what, two five-on-five goals or three five-on-five goals between them in the last 10 games. But it doesn't matter because Marner's on a streak. Matthews is still hot. You know, Jason Spetz has scored in back-to-back games. And I think the, you know, if you had both lines going all the time, they'd, they'd probably be like Florida. Where they're, they're scoring eight or nine goals on a regular basis. I, I don't think it's a concern as long as they're, they're not giving up. And I know I think they're minus three both in the last couple of games against New Jersey. I, I don't think you could have predicted that, you know, if you're in a hockey pool and the Leafs have scored, what, 20 goals in the last three games and, and Nylander mm-hmm. doesn't have a point, <laughs> I think you'd be pulling your hair out. Wondering why, but no, I don't think it's a concern in that, um, you know, eventually they're going to get out again and, um, and it'll be fine. So even though you can talk about Kerfoot or moving McKayev in or somebody else, these, these two guys are skilled enough like Marner and Matthews. They should be able to play with anyone. You know, they've, they've got a lot of help from new players this year. Um, thinking specifically of guys like, oh, well, obviously Bunting, but Kampf and, and Kasha have been such integral parts of filling out that forward core. Um, you know, who do you think has been the, the biggest addition for them in terms of just moving the needle in a positive direction? Uh, you know, contracts aside, the, there's just so many good things. I guess I ask because I'm thinking Camp kind of doesn't get a lot of love, but boy, he is a huge part of a penalty kill that is much improved and stabilizing a third line. Yeah, and, and face-offs as well. And, yeah. and and a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, you can say, well, you know, Camp's only got, what, four or five goals, and he's got 40% of them against Chicago. You know, in the two games yeah. they played against the Hawks, but look, look where he takes just about every face off. It's in his own end, and I think that's that's where you you have a greater appreciation as he's not he's not getting the the offensive zone draws where you can create. He's he's playing the hard minutes, and that's why I think um, you know you you have to watch and look at other numbers other than his point totals uh, to really appreciate him, but. He's there. I think uh, Cash is the one that has surprised me when he got going. Although he's been a little quieter, but um, you know you're starting to see, uh, you know, a big body that plays pretty heavy. Uh, in some ways, Pierre Engvall seems like a new player because uh, I think he's been better than he has in his career up to this point. And you know, it's nice to see Mikheyev healthy and, and getting into some sort of groove as well. Jim Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio, color analyst. You know, I listen to you and Bonesy, and no question, you take a lot of the hard minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but only about six seconds at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I usually throw in the shots on goal, and if I have time, time I'll do a you know, partial uh, update on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to those hard minutes tonight when Carolina and the Toronto Maple Leafs battle it out. Thanks, Ralphie. Yeah, just got pucks deep, uh, win the one-on-one battles. We'll be good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> good thanks, color. Ray. Good color. <laughs> one, one shift at a time. Yeah, give 110. So we heard from Kyle Dubas yesterday, mm-hmm. which... He's I, our I, next guest, even though he doesn't know it. What was... I don't know. I, was that scheduled? Is that something that he wanted to do? I don't know. I just found it. Uh, he usually does one midseason, I think. He does. Yeah, I think around the All-Star break. Okay. Oh, I don't I, think I that's just, a big ask. I didn't, you know, no, it's not the big ask. I'm just wondering, like, I don't know. Was it necessary? I don't know. 
Yes. Well, I mean, it's great for us. Quickly, quickly. I, I, I sent out a, a note to our uh, our stats department to ask what Frederick Anderson's Game 7 stats are. How many has he been in? Four, ga- four games. Yeah, he sucks yeah. in Game 7s. 0 and 4. Yeah. yeah we 416 know. goals we against. No. 856 save percentage. 16 goals against in 111 shots. Yeah. They, they should trade him to Carolina or let him walk. So, anyways, uh, yeah, but it's good that Dubas spoke. It is. We we and, had content. And, and out of those game sevens, how many did he have? Slavin, Pesci, Brady, uh, Brady Shea, Wait. and uh, Tony D'Angelo. Marinson, Ron Hainsey, and it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Gardner. Hey, hey now. CC involved? Yeah. So, yes, he, he, he spoke a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a few of those clips. Uh, where do you, you want to start with just his... Uh, his, I guess, his overall feel of uh, yes. of where his team's at. Let's 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 go to the first clip. Let's do it. Um, I'd like to give our team a chance to roll as is uh, constructed, if we can get there. And then, if not, I think we'll have to take as much of the information as as we have um, and, and use that to dictate what we want to do with the team. Of course, there's always the, the group is playing at a you know well above 700 right now in terms of their winning percentage. So, uh, but that said, we're in a dogfight every day in our division with Tampa and, and Florida, and then Boston right there. Um, you know, those those are three elite teams. So. Um, I think, I, I mean, obviously, as I've stated repeatedly, I've got a lot of belief in the group. But in terms of what we're going to do and whether we'll add to it or not, I certainly think we want to take as much time as we can uh, and use that to our benefit before deciding to do anything. I heard, um, just, just so everyone knows, we're, we're good. We're good. Let's, like, does everyone know we're good? Yeah, have you guys looked at the standings recently? Yeah, or no? I know we're doing the we should trade for people thing, but just so you know, we're third in the NHL. See, and that's why I think it was important that he, he spoke because everybody, to your point, just two seconds ago, is, yeah, we want to see a trade. Yeah. What are you going to do? Who are you moving? What are you trading? Yeah. Hey, hey have you yeah. looked at what's happening? We're good. No. <laughs> we're not good. We're great. No, we're not great either. What are we? We're a team that needs some help. Oh. They're in third. He's, he's saying the reminder that uh, here's what I hear. Yes, we may need a couple of tweaks, but let's not act like we need an overhaul. No. You know what I heard? No. I need to do something about this blue line. I can't. I can't. I can't. That's what I heard. I didn't so, hear I can't. I heard uh, we want to take as much time for our benefit. You don't have any other choice. You have to take time. You're in cap jail. Yeah, the there's, closer you live, the longer you let it go, the less cap that you're taking back on any deal. Th- there is no room. Right. There is no trade out there. So it's better than I say it than guys like you and me to start pushing the narrative. Mm-hmm. They need help on the blue line. Where is it? Who's out there? Who's available? All he did yesterday was get ahead of that. Say, we, we can't do anything now. Just, you know, hold your breath. Let's not panic. It'll come. That's what I heard. Yeah, definitely makes sense to wait just in terms of the salary cap of guys you might be trading for. Also, all these guys on D. Well, let's let's hold on. Let's have one more Dubas clip and keep go, or clip, and we'll keep going on trading uh, for guys with term. Let's listen. My preference is always to acquire players with term and with as much time as possible. So when we did the Muzzin deal in 2019 and then the Campbell Clifford one in 2020, I thought those were that's that's my preference. The since that time in the past two years. Being able to execute that way is just with the flat cap and with the way that our team is constructed has proven to be difficult. And so for us, I, I want to take as much time as we possibly have to find out what exactly it is we need. I know I have my opinions and they change all the time. I'm sure everyone here has them as well. And teams around the league probably have their opinions of us when they look at it. So what it, it's proving to be difficult. So I'm going to take as much time as I need. Also, you're taking as much time as you need because it's difficult. Yeah, but also he makes the point about um, evaluating what they have, right? Looking at the, you know, I know. (laughs) know We've evaluated what they have and what they don't have. Does he need more time? Does he not see what we see? If he does, he makes sense to pretend he doesn't. Do you really need more time to assess that blue line? 
Well, I'll ask you, can anything change your opinion on any of the players in this lineup over the next five, six weeks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Sandine it, could play like Nick Lidstrom. And could Hall could play like <laughs> Ozhiganov. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I get the idea to not make a trade today when you don't know what guys are going to look like later in the season. So it also makes sense to wait on that front. In all, he's right. He's making a good point. It makes sense to wait, and you don't really have a choice Doesn't... but to wait. It's <laughs> your point, right? So what are we even doing here? <laughs> then no one is making the case to trade now. And it's it's more apparent when he when he starts talking about Sandine and Lilligren. Let's have a listen to that. Sandine and Lilligren, love it. I think the one thing that we we have that I'm, I'm most excited about is that you know on defense in particular we have two young players that are playing a nightly role in Sandine and, and uh, Timothy Lilligren, and they're going to at, at playing those roles at that age they're going to have their own ups and downs. So how do they come through it, and, and what are they in terms of potential? Those young guys probably have more than um, than than um, than than anyone else in our system but what what can they be able to accomplish here with a little bit more runway and what, what can we learn from them that can that can be uh, instructive for us in terms of how we want to approach the the deadline with them so uh, and then injury or ineffective player whatever it may be or something that just glaringly stands out as a need may also enter the fray and that's again how we'll have to adjust course because we probably don't have a whole lot of bullets in the in the chamber here we've gonna we're gonna Ooh. um Lilligren and Sandine. That's all we got. <laughs> that's that's it. Well, you know what? Um, that go that, ahead. Sam. That one concerned me. <laughs> you think that one concerned me because I I have more faith in Sandine than I do in Lilligren, and I think we've talked about that a lot on this show in terms of what their upsides are. But how interested in their development or how they're going to progress? During this season, yeah, like, is not what, something I wanted to hear. No, they, like, they, they well, what could they games. possibly become? They got forty games to get better, and but, I'm not saying that that what? can't happen. But how much better? Well, yeah, that's there. You go. So, yeah, Sandine, you said could be Lidstrom, but he can't. So, how much could he realistically get better? And is it enough to matter? Is it enough to matter? But it, this it's is, a big ask. So, could he get better enough that his value? could increase and then could be part of something that could get you. My point is that Sandine is not the type of player, sorry, not even Sandine, Lilligren more than anything. Even a good version of that is not what the Leafs need. Good player, play in the NHL. Does it not feel like the Leafs need some veteran experience? We've talked about, you know, hard to play against, you know, guys like that. They need a backup for Muzzin. Right, they're never going to become that. So even if they get better, Oh, he's going to go into playoffs and with a slightly better Sandine. I I love Sandine. I hope he's on the team. You know, I I just don't know that the fit for what they need is there. And the 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 big issue is, if you want to go big, you're either going to have to give up one of those two prospects because one of those he, two he, guys. He, yes, and he Ooh. just admitted it. Yeah. We we don't really have anything else. This is it. And by definition, around the league, they are are still considered prospects. When you want to trade for a regular guy, you're probably talking about someone that plays 15, 17 minutes nightly. Mm -hmm. Do they think Sandine is that? I don't know. I would think he would be considered uh, getting a top prospect in any type of Big deal. I not I I for once for one thought before the trade uh, before the all-star break that the Leafs need to do something big. I listened to Kyle Dubas yesterday, and I'm not sure it's out there. The like even moving Sandine for something big. I think Sandine's gonna burn them. If they trade him, I, I just I like the player. I think he sees the ice really well. You but can know, can he help you win now? Well, that's kind of the point I made before. I, uh, you know, it's a scary one to make. It is. It's a scary trade. But like, you've got those two chips, and then you've got picks, and then let's hear what Kyle had to say about about picks. Um, we only have three this year. Now we have our first and our second, uh, and then we've kind of got the full board moving ahead. So, I mean, we're in a mode now where we're trying to win. So if if we have to um, deal from from that pool to do something that we think can help us, 
great. I, ideally, I'd like to keep the pick so that we can, it, we're, we're trying not to be a short term or confine ourselves to any window, and we're not going to be able to just pick in the second and fifth round every time and, and find uh, players that, that produce. So I, I'd love to be able to keep the picks and allow Wes Clark and the amateur scouting staff to make them, but we'll evaluate that as it comes closer to. Okay, that was a little sucking and blowing at the same time. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Explain. <laughs> It means you're in, but you're not in. Yeah. You you know you have to win now, but you want to protect the future. Mm-hmm. You, you I don't either know. inhale or exhale, but well, you the can't words do win both now. of them at the same time. That's what it means. Right. I yeah. heard that. I'm trading the hell out of those picks. That's what I heard when I listened to that clip. Uh, you've talk, you talked me into that before we listened to them earlier today, and I agree. I, I heard I'm trading picks. But you know what I heard? He said... We have the full board, so he's not talking about this upcoming draft, but if you look at their 2023 and 2024 drafts, they have six of seven picks and seven of seven picks, including all their first. I, <laughs> I hear a guy who wants to trade their 2023 first for a player. What, How'd what, I do? You know, I like it. You know what else I heard? We could lose in the first round, and I'm not getting fired. How'd you hear that? Talking about the future. Protecting the next year or two. Yeah. That's what I heard. Could be something which, you do, which is wishing people. Ultimately, it is. There should be thinking the real it. responsibility of a general manager, despite job security, should be to protect. And I, I like that part. I do believe that he will keep his job if he loses in the first round. What? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I do. Good. I, I get that sense. So I gotta ask a question. What was the name of the the scouting guy? Wes Clark. He's he's just like, please God, Kyle. He's like, no more trade picks traded. I can't grind on these fifth rounders anymore. I need to I need to scout a first round talent one time. You know, Lamorello didn't keep Wes Clark around, and then as soon as Dubas got the GM job, he brought Wes back in a bigger role. It says he's a Dubas guy. It is it is interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, they're they're tightly uh, wound these two. So a lot of pressure on Wes. You're right to figure it out and. Find him some guys because, yeah, they got three picks in the draft ahead. First, second, and seventh. He can't give up a first rounder to a pending unrestricted free agent to walk out the door. He cannot he go 0 for it. 2, Nick Felino. He cannot. That was like reverse justification of, of the Felino thing, was it not? Where it's like, I like, don't forget, I've added guys with term and it's made a difference. And I like to add guys with term. It was the cap that made me do it with Felino. And he could have had, he could have. Could have had Sam Bennett for two second rounders. Sam Bennett, man. I, you're one of the few people I know of who believed that Sam Bennett was the player he's been this season. I think most people are like, this guy looks pretty clearly like a fourth liner. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I didn't realize he's only 25 because he looks 38. <laughs> he's he he a top five pick. I play I golf with a guy that legitimately could be a twin brother. Oh, yeah? get him for, I'll show you a picture after the show. <laughs> Chris Isles. Couldn't, they could be twins. Does he look 38? Yeah, he's probably that age. Part of information we didn't really need <laughs> on the show. Well, we're, like, we're going to be on YouTube this show in a couple of weeks. We'll have Sammy help Monte, us out. Monte, that's then. a horrible drop-in. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. I spared him. I thought it, but I spared him. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe after the show, you can show me all your high school pictures and uh, tell me who looks like who. There are certain things that are better thought than said, boys. <laughs> but, you know, to the, um, you know, with the first, the second, and the seventh, if he thinks they're in win-now mode and they're going to make a move like that, like, yeah. boy, they're just punting on I'm, a full draft. I am getting that feel that, and he mentioned it, we're one of many teams that are in cap jail. Yeah. And I just don't know how many of them can go do something significant now. And he he may be at the mercy of how good Lilligren and Sandine can grow in, in the next 40 games. Here's my question. What does Arizona, what round pick does Arizona need to take Nick Ritchie with no retention so they can create $2.5 million in space? Would they say Ritchie in a second? Pretty good, right? I think that's a real possibility. I, uh, I don't know whether or not like a second. I, I bet you that. Happens. I think a second, Justin, would be to take someone who's making four or five. It's off too your much. Books. It's too much to for Richie's p- piddly little two point five. 
Yes, that yeah. that's my opinion. But they, yeah, so it would have to be in and 2023. A third I know, or a I know. There's some fifth. reports out there about Mrazic. I I spoke to one general manager today, and he told me that you cannot worry about Mrazic in the off season. You have to start those conversations now. Why? Unloading his 3.8. For two more years, you can't you can't necessarily leave. You may leave the trade in the off season, but you have to start the work now mm-hmm. for moving Peter Morazic's contract to give yourself the best chance to re-sign Jack Campbell. I wonder if it was ever part of the plan bringing Morazic in with you know he's got doesn't have any sort of protection on movement. If they said, we'll give him the third year knowing it's what we need to get him here this year, but then we can move him if it doesn't work out. Because, like, what, I, what would he have to do as a goalie to justify his, his contract? He would have to take over the starting job. You wouldn't ever want a backup goalie making $3.8 million in a flat cap. I, I, think, I think what you could have done is have them go back and forth, and then the hottest hand takes the net in the first round of the playoffs. So but what, that's, was there a scenario where Campbell could have earned a $3 million yes, deal and you kept both? Yes. And that you both, you have them both at around $7 million. I think seven is a reasonable spend on your goaltender. And I think that's the picture. But now we know Jack is up there. And on a discount, probably looking at 5.5. Yeah, so, they can't go higher than that. Not a chance. Now, Someone also mentioned to me that I think there'd be teams willing to take Mrazic's contract for the next two years at 3.8 or 3.9? 3.8. Well, I don't know which one. But that one could cost the Leafs a second or a third rounder right now. Mrazic in a second, Mrazic in a third. Yeah. And then you need a goalie back that can play goal. That's right. (laughs) That's the other issue. Um the, the Leafs need to give up a second or a third round pick. So what we're talking about is them moving on from a contract like Richie or Morazic so they can make room so they can add a meaningful player. Yes. Um, why don't, let's listen to Dubas on Richie. It's the last clip we have and just his thoughts on where, where things have gone for him. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know what his exact shooting percentage was right off the right off the bat. But it, the, the puck, no, I think he's got I, I think he's got about 70 shots. He's got two goals or something like that. So, um, you know, the puck didn't go in for him. Um, and then it goes in for bunting. It's Kerf is producing him. Kerf is on pace for 60 points, around 60 points with no power play time. Um, and then, you know, Engvall and McKay, they're producing uh, well also. So, I mean, it's a confidence influence of, of that plus the guys that jumped in that role it, it they automatically they started producing right away um sometimes that's happenstance sometimes it's luck sometimes it's just various things that happen on the ice with chemistry with your line mates etc um so do i wish every player that we sign worked out perfectly of, of course and I, I just i just don't think the story is is done uh at, at this point for for any of those players that are in our system or or we've signed that that hasn't worked out yet for so. that i agree with that th- there still could be a a spot for Nick Ritchie on a short-term basis, and it could come in the playoffs when you're mm-hmm. getting beat up a little bit. And I told you guys, I still think Razik can matter. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but the Ritchie thing, I, 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 heard, bleh, I heard a whole lot of stuff yeah. shooting percentage. Wow. First off, he hasn't taken 70 shots. He's taken 50, okay. according 50 to Sam. That's not my first thought about Nick Ritchie and his shooting percentage. No, I wasn't like, boy, he's been good, but just unlucky. That well, is, Jason Blake in his first year with the Leafs here, it's like, no, he's not, yeah, not the case. A, that's a niche. Oh. <laughs> How about his hitting percentage? I, I just, there's no part of me who looked at, at Ritchie and been like, that's what, what happened here. He got unlucky because it went in for Bunts and Kerfee. No. You know, like that wasn't what happened. Here, I, Ritchie was, was no good. He was no good. I have first a, an outside. Months thought that's he called the only guy he referred to by the the nickname is kerf yeah interesting likes him more Does doesn't mean? want to trade him oh no <laughs> they love him kerf kerf's been good Six, 60 points no power play time he's trying to validate that one kerf i appreciate during a, a session like that getting the positives out to the media as a reminder we're good as a reminder that keeping kerfoot thing pretty good player he's, he's been pretty player. good for us you know like i think there is some merit 
to having to defend yourself a so little. So 1.2 comes off. He's with the Marlies right now, Nick Ritchie. He's, yeah. He, they don't play much. He's for the next. I, They're I don't, on a break. I, I don't know if the Marlies play in the next 10 or 11 days. Oh, really? Yeah. So all he has to do is now just practice every day. Like he will not get back in the lineup. Someone needs COVID. Someone needs to get hurt for him to get uh, back in. But it may get to the point where as we get closer to the deadline, he may be in a position where you got to completely write that 1.2 off. Yeah. That's... Their their next game is February 16th. So, Utica. so they can bury... They can bury 1.1 million of his deal in the minors. I think so, yeah. Roughly. So I wonder if something nothing like else that. that there's value there, right? Like if that's if they don't think he's of use and, you know, keep him in the minors until you need him when there's no cap, uh I could see that happening. I could see cuz he can get clear waivers. These people aren't claiming him. So maybe there's the ending to the story is that Nick Ritchie becomes a playoff hero when they call him up uh, in the postseason. Everybody's stats are equal. Once the first game of and the playoffs. Couldn't started. you see it? He can put the puck away, big guy, front of the net. I could absolutely see him scoring a couple of big goals. That's a Hail Mary. Yeah, but... eh, well, yeah, what's we're throwing here, Kipper? <laughs> <laughs> like that. All right, our thanks to Colby Armstrong, Mr. Personality, Mike Fuda, special consultant to Carolina Hurricanes, and a sidekick to Justin Bourne. It's too many names in a title. Jim Ralph as well, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio color analyst stopped by. Appreciate him always on the show. Yes. And you, you're working tonight. I am. I'm working intermissions of the Leafs game. With your corduroy suit. Straight up cords, man. Setting that place on fire, walking right. fast. Do not go near uh, any um, hot lights. <laughs> I'll do my best. You'll I'll stay seated at all times. Go up in flames. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the game tonight. And we'll be right back here tomorrow to recap it all for you. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, real Kipper and Bourne, Sportsnet. I'm 90, the fan.